Philippians chapter 1, chapter 1, starting from verse 1, that can be found on page 1178. This is God's word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts now, that you would change us and draw us nearer to you. Amen. Am I on? Brilliant. Awesome. Now, did you know that there is joy which can only be experienced by Christians? There are some joys which only Christians can experience. One example of that would be partnership in the gospel. When one party joins with another party of Christians and they work together so that the good news about Jesus Christ can be shared. And that produces a whole bunch of joy and only Christians can experience this joy. Which means as Christians there's areas of life which can bring us joy which no one else can have. And what's great is we can experience this joy. I mean, a whole bunch of places in scripture tell us that we are to be living lives filled with joy. And this is what Paul is talking about in this passage in Philippians. He's talking about the joy that comes from partnership in the gospel. And so let's dig into it and see what this joy is like and how we can experience this joy. And so starting from verse 1, let's look at who is partnering with you uh, in, this, in, this possible, in, this go- in this gospel partnership. So verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So the one group is Paul and Timothy. Uh, They are missionaries, and they're partnering with the church in Philippi. So Philippi was a place, kind of like London or Bedford. Philippi was a place, and then there were Christians in Philippi, and Paul is partnered with them. But look in verse 1 at how Paul and Timothy describe themselves. They call themselves servants of Christ Jesus. Servants. Paul was an apostle, one of the people with authority in the church, but he calls himself a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, Christ is a term we often use quite often. Now, it simply means king. So Paul is calling himself a servant of King Jesus. And so if Jesus is king, then it's right for us to serve him because he is the rightful ruler of everything. And that's how Paul describes himself. So you have two servants of the king joining together, continuing in verse 1, with the holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now again, holy is not really a a word we use today. I don't know when the last time you used holy in normal conversation was. But holy just means belonging to God. It's kind of like when you send a young child to school and you know they're probably going to lose all their pencils so 
in hope, you put on every single pencil, you stick a label that says property of Michael Brown, property of Michael Brown, property of Michael Brown. A label that says this belongs to Michael Brown. Holy is like God has stuck a label on these people saying these people belong to me. They are my people. And so Paul and Timothy are partnering with the people who belong to God in Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. And now, let's just reflect on that for a moment. God has stuck a label on them saying, these people belong to me. And if you're here and if you are a servant of King Jesus, then you belong to God as well. And unlike the child at school who often loses all their stuff, God will never ever lose you. God will never ever lose a single one of his children. It's beautiful. And the holy people, they're not just... Uh, God's holy people, but they are in Christ Jesus. The way to become a a person who belongs to God, who is one of God's cherished possessions, is through King Jesus, is only in through Christ Jesus. He is the only way. And so, if you have come to Jesus, and then Jesus, you are king, but I've rebelled against you, I need you to forgive me, please. Forgive me and save me. And from now on, I'm relying on you to save me and to lead me as my king. Then, if that's you, then you are part of God's cherished possession and you will never, ever be lost by God. And also, that's the message that we have to share. The simple message that Jesus is king. That's the simple message that we have to share. Jesus is king. Whether people believe it or not, that is true. And anyone can come to him and be forgiven and be saved. And so Paul is partnering with God's holy people in King Jesus at Philippi. And not just some of them, but look with me. It says, all of God's holy people in Philippi. Now, so that meant that it didn't matter how a member of the church in Philippi felt. If they thought, ah, I, you know, I, I have nothing to offer Paul. I can't help him. I can't support him. I mean, what little help could I give to Paul? Paul, doesn't, Paul says that's not true. He partners with all of them, with all of God's holy people, saying that they do have something to offer in this partnership. And so if you are one of God's cherished possessions, then you have something to offer in a partnership with the gospel as well. If nothing else, you can love the people that you partner with. You can love them in the same way that the Philippians loved Paul and Paul loved them. But we'll touch more on love a little bit later. And so Paul has partnered with God's holy people in Philippi in order to share the message. Those are the two partners. But there's a surprise here in verse 2 because he continues and he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a third member of this partnership and that's God himself. Whenever we join with the ministry and say, I'm going to support you, I'm going to partner with you, I'm going to enable you to go and share the gospel. Whether you say, I'm sharing the gospel, you're sharing the gospel, let's work together. Whenever you do that, God is also working in that partnership. And that's, a, that's such a fantastic joy, knowing that whenever we partner, God is working with us. God, our Father, is working in special ways in these gospel partnerships. And Jesus, our King himself, is working in the partnership as well. And it's interesting what Paul calls Jesus here. He says, God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so we've learned already that Christ means King, But Lord is also another word for king. So Paul, in this verse, he calls Jesus king twice. In normal language, it would read, God our Father and King Jesus the King. Paul is making a point here. And in fact, throughout these 11 verses, Paul calls Jesus king eight times. 
So he really wants us to think about Jesus as king as we read through these verses. Now, I don't know about you, but king is not really the way I most often think about Jesus. But if Jesus is king, that means he is in charge. No matter what's happening, he is king of everything and he is in charge. Even when one of his missionaries is taken and chained up to the wall and not given food or water or sanitation or whatever, as was currently happening to Paul, even when that happens, Jesus is still king. He is still in charge. And he's not just in charge, but he's helping. He is helping us and working in and through us as we come along fellow servants of God in order to spread the message that he is king. And so Paul, even though he is chained up in a Roman prison, he doesn't... He prays with joy. He's filled with joy because of the partnership that he has and because he knows that King Jesus is working. And I'll ask just a small question here. If you, have, if you belong to God, if you're one of his children, if you've said, believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is king, are you obeying the king? I'll just leave that there. And so we've met the members of the partnership. We've got Paul and Timothy, we've got the Philippian church, and we've got God himself working in that partnership. Now let's see in verses 3 to 8 what Paul prays for and what his experience of partnership in the gospel was like. So verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now Paul was in prison, chained up as I said. He had no way of supporting himself, no way of looking after himself. He was completely reliant on other people's generosity, on other people looking after him. And in his moment of need, a member of the Philippian church arrives, Epaphroditus. He arrives with a gift from the Philippian church, which meets all of Paul's needs. And so now Paul is there in prison, and whenever he's eating the food that they brought, or wearing the cloak that they brought, or whatever it was, whenever he remembers, he says, Oh God, thank you so much for them. He has the joy of seeing the needs that he had being met by his partners in the gospel. And when we partner with other people, we will have that same joy of seeing our needs met by our partners in ministry. Or we will have the joy of meeting the needs of others when we partner in ministry. And so Paul prays, he thanks God whenever he remembers them. Whenever they come to mind, he thanks God for them. And verse 4 and 5, he continues, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And whenever Paul prays for them, he's filled with joy because he knows he's not alone in this. A few months ago, I had to help uh, move a fridge downstairs and luckily I had some partners with me. But imagine you're there. You're looking at a fridge and you know you've got to get this fridge down the stairs and out the door and you're all alone. It's a big job and you really can't do it. But then a car pulls up and a whole bunch of your mates pull out of the car and they say, let's move this fridge. That's the joy that Paul experiences here. The joy of seeing, I've got partners in this. People helping me and supporting me in this task. Even though it's too big and it's difficult, I've got partners with me. And this is the joy that Paul experiences, knowing that he's got partners with him. And this is the same joy that we can experience when we have partners in the gospel. We have people helping us and supporting us in the task. And we can be those people that help and support others. And that will bring great joy to us and to them. And Paul is also filled with joy for another reason. Look with me at verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul also prays with joy because he knows that God is doing a good work in the Philippians. God is doing a good work in them. 
This is one of the greatest joys that I've had the privilege of experiencing in ministry. I've been able to see a, a young teenager uh, teaching his first Sunday school lesson and been able to see the good work that God has done in him so that recently he preached his first sermon as a young man. And it's, it just fills me with such joy to see God's good work in my partners in the gospel. And this is the joy that we can all experience when we partner in the gospel, seeing God's good work in our partners, in our fellow Christians. God will be working in them. And also, God will be working in us, and that will bring them joy as well. And continuing in verse 6, this good work will continue until the day of King Jesus, until the day King Jesus returns. Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of King Jesus. There is a day coming soon when the skies will be rolled back and in glory and splendor the King will descend to earth and all of the people who have bowed the knee to him will go and we will live with him in glory and it will be fantastic. And it's this day that Paul's looking forward to. He mentions it a whole bunch of times in this passage. This is the day that Paul is looking forward to, the day when the King will return. And we can know when we see our partners in the ministry, when we see God working in them, changing them, also changing us, that God is going to continue that work until the day that Jesus comes back and that work is finally completed. And this is also a motivation that we have for sharing the gospel, for partnering with people so that the gospel can be shared because we know that the King is coming back. The King is coming back. And a lot of people, they don't believe that Jesus is King. But that doesn't change the reality that He is King that they need to know about it. And so we can have the joy of telling people before it's too late, the king is coming and he is king. Bow the knee to him and be forgiven. We can experience that great joy. But now, through these verses, we can see how much Paul loves and cares for the Philippians. When they received the letter, some people might have been doubting, does Paul really care about us that much? Maybe he's just fluffing up the letter so that we feel good because we got a letter from our ministry partner. But no, Paul answers that in verse 7. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Paul's great joy in this partnership comes from his love for the Philippian church. He has joy when he sees God working in them because he loves them. He has joy when he sees the work that they've been doing because it means that the gospel is going out because he loves his king. All of this flows from his love for him. And it's the same for us. If you love the king, then you will want to spread the message that he is king. And you will experience the great joy of seeing God work through you and in you and in those who hear the message. And if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you will want to be supporting them as they share the message that Jesus is king. And you'll have the great joy of seeing God work in them, doing his good work in them until the day Jesus comes back. So find a ministry that you can partner with. If you're not partnered with one yet, then find one that you can partner with, that you can support simply by loving them. Simply by loving them. Saying, I'm going to commit to you guys to loving you. If you love someone, then you... It's quite simple. You, you want to chat to them. You want to listen to them. You want to spend time with them. You want to help them when they need help. That's how we love our, our family. And if you're in love, then that's how you love the person that you love. And this is, all the, this is how we are called to love the ministry that we partner with. 
Love them. Find a ministry and pour your love into them. But now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I find it difficult to love. I find that my love falls short. And amazingly, look at Paul's amazing prayer in verse 9 to 11. This is the next thing that he prays for. He says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is what Paul prays for, that our love will grow and grow and grow. And this was Paul's heart's desire, that the Philippian church's love for him and for Christ would grow and grow and abound more and more. And this should be our desire as well, both for us and for those that we partner with. It should be our desire for their love to grow and grow and grow and for our love for them to grow as well. And more than that, he says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. As our love grows, our knowledge of the people grow as well. This makes sense. The more you love someone, the more you spend time with them, the more you chat to them, the more you find out what's really going on in their life. And so the more knowledge you... And, deep insight you have in what's actually going on in their life. So the more you can actually show love and help them. I'll make a silly example. Say, for example, you have a Jewish friend and you find out that it's near the end of the month and he's run out of, uh, he's run out of food for the end of the month. You say, okay, it's two days till the end of the month. I'm going to provide for my friend. I'm going to love him. And so you go and you make a whole basket full of sandwiches that will get him through those last two days. And so you deliver the sandwiches and you show love to your Jewish friend. The problem was you didn't show the love in knowledge and in deep understanding because you made a whole bunch of bacon sandwiches. Now, for those who don't know, Jewish people don't eat bacon. And so you've shown love, but you haven't really helped. You haven't really shown love in knowledge or in deep understanding. And often this happens in ministry. People love a ministry, they want to partner with it, they want to support it, but they do so without knowledge or without deep understanding. And their help and their love will sometimes miss the mark of where the real needs are in that ministry. And so Paul prays, and we can just pray as well, that our love will abound, but that it will abound in guided by knowledge and guided by deep insight, deep understanding of what the real needs are. And so let, us, let this be our heart's desire. Let this also be our prayer. And then Paul prays uh, also so that our love will not just grow for our fellow Christians, but also for Christ. Uh, let me read from verse 9 again. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Amazingly, what gives us wisdom for the difficult choices that will be ahead of us is love. In life, there's lots of difficult choices, lots of decisions where we go, ah, I don't really know what to pick, what is the best way to go here. And amazingly, what will prepare us for those decisions is love. Paul says, he prays that your love will abound and that it will, aba- um, that it will be guided by knowledge and deep understanding so that you will be able to discern what is best. To discern means to figure out or to test, to test what is the best option here, what is the best solution, what is the best route to take. As we love our king more and more, we'll know what he loves and what he hates. And that will provide us with the wisdom we need to make the best decision, to make the best choice in the difficult choices in life. And especially in ministry, when partnering with other Christians, I'm a sinner and whoever I partner with will also be a sinner and that will mean that difficult choices will arise. Sometimes even conflict will arise and that will mean that will require wisdom to know what is best. And the solution to that is love. 
pray that our love will abound more and more, guided by knowledge and deep understanding, and that will help us, that will equip us to solve those choices, to pick the right one, to figure out what is best. And as those solutions, as those choices are made, you can be filled with joy knowing, wow, it was the love that God gave me that enabled me to make the best choice here. And also, as our love grows and is guided by knowledge and deep insight, it will actually make us pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We all have sins, uh, rebellions against God, areas in our life that we, uh, where we still rebel against God, that uh, kind of stick around even though we try to get rid of them. What is the answer? What, is the pra- what are some practical method- methods to dealing with this sin? What are some practical methods to becoming pure and blameless? Surprisingly, it's love. It's love. The more we love our king, the more we'll hate rebelling against him. The more we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, the more we'll hate hurting them by sinning. This is the answer. This is how we can become more pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And also what's great is we can't force ourselves to love more. That just won't work. Love, love, love. It just doesn't work. All we simply do is pray. We simply pray and ask Jesus to grow our love. We can pray the prayer of verse 9 to 11. The, the prayer that Paul prays. We can pray, Lord, may my love abound more and more. And may it be guided by knowledge and deep understanding. We can pray this prayer. And we can pray it with joy, knowing that there is a day coming when we will be pure, when we will be blameless. The day when Jesus Christ returns. Finally, on that day, we will be pure. We will be blameless. So we can pray this prayer now, looking forward to that day. And Paul ends this prayer with even more joy, reminding us that it's God's work, not ours. Verse 10. So that you may be able to discern discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now again, fruit of righteousness, not really something that we mention and we talk about, not language that we use. What does Paul mean here? He simply means the, the fruit, the result that, come, that Jesus grows in us after we have been made righteous by him. So Jesus makes us righteous when we bow the knee to King Jesus. And then he grows in our hearts fruit, fruit like as, as has been mentioned, love, depth of insight, purity, blamelessness. Jesus grows these fruits in our hearts. And amazingly, verse 11 says that we will be filled with it, filled with these fruit of righteousness. And where does it come from? Does it come from working hard, from trying to be pure, from trying to love, trying to be blameless? No. It comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In the same way that we became Christians, in the same way that we became cherished children of God, which was by saying, Jesus, I can't do anything. I simply rely on you. Now in the same way, we pray and we say, Jesus, I'm relying on you to grow my love, to grow me in knowledge and understanding, to grow me in purity. As we were saved, so we continue in relying on God. This is the king we have, who both saves us, makes us righteous, and then grows us in love, grows us in knowledge, so that we can partner with people and share the message to other people that Jesus is king, so that they too can experience the wonderful joy of knowing him, a God and a King who fills us with love, who fills us with joy. And all of this is to the praise and glory of God. Now, I hope that I've persuaded you of the great joys of partnership in the Gospel. And I challenge you this week to read verses 
verses 9 to 11, each day, praying it for yourself and also praying it for whoever you're going to partner with in the gospel so that their love will grow and so that our love for them will also grow. Now I'm just going to close by praying it for us now. Verse 9. And this is our prayer, Father, that our love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.